All right, we're live. Welcome to another edition of Elevate Your Grind brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. I am your host, Todd Rosales. I hope everybody's been enjoying these little 6.30 shows. This is probably going to be the norm for us going forward. Again, anytime you want to tune in, it's going to be Tuesdays and Thursdays, facebook.com slash Group. If you missed any of our episodes, wait about a week or two. You can check those out on our YouTube at youtube.com slash Elevate Your Grind. Uh, what's today? Today's Thursday, end of the week. Things are going, listen, since the pandemic's been going on, I don't know what month it is. I don't know what day it is. Um, I'm working normal, so that's very weird. My daughter's birthday is in about two weeks. Didn't even realize it was coming up. So I lost track of time. Hopefully you guys out there have not, but we're going to be doing these at 6.30, most like every Tuesday and some Thursdays. Um, we've got a lot of great content coming up for you. We've got a few panels in the works that are going to be awesome. Um, definitely stay tuned, folks. Uh, next week, I believe, actually, I don't know who we have next week. I'm going to have to look into that. I'm going to need to get a little bit more professional on these, but we appreciate everybody joining in. Today's guest is a great one. Okay. I know I say that all the time, but I'm always happy when we get these amazing guests, um, you know, at elevate your grind here, we know that cannabis is more of an ecosystem, right? There's a lot of moving parts to it. We have a lot of people in and outside of our industry that are supporting this industry that are advancing the industry that are making sure that this industry goes in the direction that it's going. And the point of this show is to talk to people from a professional background that have a passion for this plant, whether they're inside the space or not. My guest today is somebody who is passionate about it, someone who circles the cannabis ecosystem. Uh, he is involved in it in many ways. Please welcome David Sinopoli, the founder at Three Points. David, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Absolutely, dude. Thank you for coming on. You know, I, uh, I know you throw some of the best events in Miami. You're changing the landscape of the Miami festival scene making it a lot more local. So it's a pleasure to have you, dude. Yeah. Um, man, I look at your background and you, how did you get, you know, how did you get to the point where you founded Three Points, just getting into that music scene? I mean, I see that you've kind of been in the live entertainment space since college. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I would, don't know if I was doing too much uh, live at that time. It was more like, just parties, you know, um, party promoter um, that I try to found a, like a, a niche that could make money um, other than like busing tables or serving tables. Um, <laughs> making cash at a club was um, a way better proposition than, you know, coming home smelling like dishwasher and like leftover food. And, you know, you come out of a restaurant, you smell like a kitchen. And oh, yeah. I did that for a large part of my life. And I was, I think it gave me my baseline uh, work ethic, but I was ready to move on. And I got into um, club promotion when I went to school at the University of Florida. And I did that for a while. Um, that ran its course. And uh, I had an opportunity to come down to Bardo. Um, and when I came down there, um, my role was definitely on promotion and marketing, but it was through live music. It was through booking live music, um, both nationally and locally. And uh, getting new to Miami, I, I learned a lot about the Miami landscape of the live scene here. Um, and then I also learned a lot about what the void was, um, either from what was not coming to Miami um, through music and because of geographical challenges, touring a band all the way up from you know, the top of the state and getting it back up to the state is, is quite costly for a lot of bands that are really show to show. Um, yeah. And then 
the other big aspect was what was not happening for live musicians and people that are creating music here in Miami that I think Miami just as a young city never really provided them like LA, New York or Austin or Nashville. So I think those were my two areas of focus when I got down here, which made my idea for three points kind of fit perfectly that I needed to book bands that weren't coming to Miami consistently. And I need to put people on from Miami that are making music, creating, working hard uh, onto the festival so that the exposure of the people that are going to see those bands can also see what's in their backyard. And then the bands and the, the producers and the DJs that live in Miami can look towards Three Points as kind of like their Super Bowl to release music, to try out a new show, to invite their friends to maybe a benchmark in the career that they can build around that, that's here in Miami. That's awesome, man. I mean, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you're big on promoting local acts because there is a ton of talent in Miami. Miami's always kind of been confusing, right? Because it's a big city that doesn't act like a big city, you know? And it's got its good parts and its bad parts. It really does kind of feel more like, I know it's going to sound weird, but like a big neighborhood, right? That's how Miami has always felt. It has a very local vibe to it. Listen, the public transportation isn't great. The traffic is horrible, so it's not, it doesn't function like in New York or LA, like you said. And that always confused me why bands would, you would see a lot of bands that they would go on tour and they'd go as far south as like Orlando or Tampa and they wouldn't come the rest of the way down the state. And that always pissed me off because I'm like, hey, you've probably got more fans in Miami than you do in those areas, right? So how do you actually convince them if they are going show to show to come all the way down here if it's a logistical issue? Well, yeah, what you were seeing before was that they would go from Atlanta and then Atlanta drive to Orlando um, and then is not too bad. And Orlando to New Orleans um, is now taking them to where they really make their money, which is Texas and the Midwest and where you can hit like four cities in five days, then getting them out to the West Coast where I think in California they can really buy, um, they can do even twice that. Um, for them, it's, it's typically about their net at the end of the show that can actually go to pay the bands after the artist, uh, the management fee, the agency fee, the cost to get down there, the cost to stay in the hotel, pay the tour manager, or pay the guy that's picking up their and check sound checking their stuff and the lighting guy that they have to bring along. It's a touring party sometimes of like on a bare minimum eight to sometimes a fuck I've seen like 80 people come with the gorillas, 101 people came. Um, wow. so, so they run those numbers per show uh, before they plan out a tour and they really got to make it make sense. And coming down to Miami from Orlando is a four hour drive and a four hour drive back and things in Miami, like a hotel and, and just the cost of doing business is just way more expensive than Orlando. So it yeah. becomes a very much of a non-starter. Um, Cause I think the Orlando show as it is, is probably a net loss. Um, so what you have to do is you have to, it's called a fly in. Um, so if you in the, in the festival and live music terms, if you're speaking to an agent, when you're speaking about a fly-in, it's just way more fucking expensive because you're flying in everyone. It's a site-specific show. There's nothing coming in trucks. There's nothing coming in vans. So for the most part, everything you see on Three Points is a fly-in outside of maybe the headliners. But even then, like the Strokes, they, they were going to play Shaky Knees and then come to us. So there was some things that we were sharing, but shit man they're not really they're not the band that's sitting in a fucking bus anymore so they, they're you're flying yeah. them too so it, yeah, it's this the more expensive proposition that you have to do in a festival format as as, as opposed to doing it at bayfront or at the ground or at a, a live music venue 
So that's the type of stuff that they don't show you in all those Cinderella story movies, the side of the business where, you know, you've got a bunch of kids in a garage and next thing you know, they're on tour and everything else. They don't show you the hustle from site to site and the cost and all the tour managers and everything else. They just make it seem like a gravy train. And it's, it's a, it's probably a fucking fun gravy train, right? Um, yeah. But are they coming out rich of it? Most bands are not, but most bands are, most every band is touring an album that they have a deal on something where they took X amount of money out and they need to go tour to make up the money on their deal, similar to a record deal. Um, so it's, it's not an easy business for the artist as it is. And it's not an easy business for the promoter as it is. If you're especially not in a very, like a location where you can hit four or five really good shows. So Miami geographically challenged, never really had somebody that wanted to consistently put their money on Miami and just keep putting money into the Miami local scene. Um, because I, I feel like we're getting way better ticket sales every year because the scene is growing up. The scene's doing yeah. more shit. Like you have to, you have to give them an act now within a year and a half of an act popping off. They have to play fucking Miami. And that's, that be, creates a demand that I think we've been working on now for seven years. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually saw, you know, a quote that you in an article that I don't remember if it's New Times Miami, but you talk about how Ultra and Art Basel come down and essentially prostitute Miami. And, you know, they bring in people from everywhere else and, and all that. But it's not even though it's in Miami, it's not like a true Miami festival, because I feel like a lot of the bands that you're working with and a lot of the acts you're working with, they have a built in fan base in Miami already. Miami is a, is a huge music scene. Yeah, and I would say Ultra does something for the city that's completely different. And, and Art Basel, in that sense, where they make a lot of jobs and they create a lot of income for our city that is very much appreciated, right? Ultra, more than anything, I think, gives us so much revenue through nightlife and hotels and stuff that I think it's a beloved thing of, of Miami. And I think my, my direction to this is more towards Art Basel, where Art Basel is not really about Miami. It's about using Miami's landscape to throw an amazing art fair for an international art fair that makes Miami a lot of money, but is not really about promoting Miami culture. Um, and that's fine. Fuck, we make a ton of money during Art Basel. It's yeah. fantastic. Everyone does. Everyone's able to pay their rent for a couple of months in that uh, operation. So that's fantastic. But we don't have a cultural oriented, uh, we didn't have a cultural oriented weekend that was showcasing the, the spotlight on our city, our scene, and um, the movement here. And I think that once we put that spotlight on it, the movement, um, the movement ended up growing and growing and growing uh, because I feel like people then know that there's an opportunity for the spotlight, right? You can't grow that shit unless there is actually an opportunity for that spotlight. Like they got to see it and see that that's their, yeah. their, their opportunity there. Sorry, one second. Oh, brother. Go for it. This is always the fun part about interviewing business owners, folks. You forget that they actually run businesses and they have jobs to do. So we catch David in the middle of his work day and he's got to work. So we will let him take care of business and we'll get him back here in just a second. My bad. There we go. No, no worries, man. I love, I love when this stuff happens because at the end of the day, you own and run a business. So you got to take care of business too. And a lot of people are gone right now, so it's usually, it's not as busy as it used to, but somebody just walked in and um, I hadn't seen in a while, so I just had to say hello. No worries. We'll tell them we all say hello. So let me ask you an interesting question, because I can imagine that there are a lot of moving parts to organizing festivals. Did you have festival experience before going to Three Points, or was it just kind of more on the individual show basis? 
before going into three points, the only festival experience that I had was smoking marijuana legally in California, watching a show and having like a life altering experience of seeing multiple things in one time. And then also having like this dead time inside of a festival where I was like, fuck what's going on over there. And I found a new band called animal collective. And that was such a, like an altering shift of like thinking for me because one, I never smoked medical, medical marijuana before at that point, it was 2008, it blew my, like it, it took me to a different uh, level that I went <laughs> And then second, the opportunity for discovery and multiple genres that I could see in different environments in one sitting was like an overload for my soul. Um, so I think that that 2008 Coachella experience, I saw Prince there, um, hot chip. I saw so many different things that I bought his head, things that I never thought I'd ever see together at one sitting really blew my mind that I knew that my life had completely shifted towards uh, wanting to do an event like that. But until three points, I'd never thrown a multi-stage uh, event ever. You know, there was just more, of I liked it and I was aspiring to do it. So I love that. I love the entrepreneurial spirit where it's like, well, I've never done this before. But screw it. I'm just going to take the opportunity and I'm going to do it. Right. I, I love because so many people would probably make a hundred different excuses as to, you know, they take the step, the first step towards doing the festival. It's like, oh, this is hard. Well, if, if this was different, I'd be able to do it. But because it's this way, I can't pull it off. You know, I imagine the jump from doing, you know, single events and, and, and booking people for different venues and everything else to actually coordinating a multi-stage venue was, that's probably a nice reality check. Yeah, I mean, call it baptism by fire. It's a complete shit show and uh, was an honest, fun shit show that I think people were like, oh, that was dope, 2013, but here's the laundry list of operational blunders that we made. Um, and our, I think our, our tactic right up the, the, the bat with that was be honest to our clientele, let them know that we made mistakes and we're going to get better. And by 2014, we improved a bunch of stuff but there was still a bunch of holes operationally of doing it. You have a year to fucking plan it, man. So you go back into there again, you do it again, and then you have a year to get better. And I think in 2019, we put out something that I was super proud of, like a product that I was like, all right, like things were happening in coordination, well organized uh, fashion with different departments handling different things that I actually was able to walk around the festival and enjoy it for the first time without panicking that a light was off or that a stage was down or whatever. And I remember finding very like strings of moments where my radio was not going off and I was just looking around being like, wow, this is fucking awesome. But that took seven years, six years. I, I think that's a great lesson to anybody paying attention that, you know, it did take you seven years to get to a product that you were proud of and, and satisfied with. Not that you weren't proud of the work that you did before, but you know, I'm sure when you had that, that life-changing experience, you probably thought year one or two, you were going to get to some point where you were all of a sudden seven years later. Right. And that wasn't the case. And it was really disappointing at times, man. Like I always was happy with the result of three points because another year had passed. There was growth. It was an amazing experience. But man, there was so many times where I remember being so fucking frustrated that something couldn't go the way it should have went. And it had nothing to do with anything we can control. And that was something I had to kind of release too, is you put precautions in there from learning a mistake and then, then a hurricane comes or fucking Corona hits or, um, you know, we had Zika 
in a box two months before we put on the festival once. Um, and I think that's now what I'm realizing more than anything is that what I learned in those seven years is that I don't give a fuck what the adversity is. Three points is going to have another year. I'll find a way to do it. And my team will find a way to do it. And that's certainty, brother, because of those seven years. And I've seen it like with, with Hurricane Matthew, Hurricane Irma. We, many times people were definitely saying, well, this is not going to be able to happen or this is not going to be able to come back from a small business. But the resiliency of, that t- of our team in music, I think, allows us to give us the patience and the, the purpose to continue to understand that, you know, we're just going to have to figure it out as we go get better at it every year and, and be, be resilient to it. I think that's probably a testament to the passion that you have and the passion that your staff has, because when you have passion in the business, you guys are going to overcome anything. There's a few other things I wanted to discuss, but just kind of based on what you said, you know, you, you guys have cleared a lot of hurdles to make sure that you are putting on a good show year after year. This year we hit the ultimate hurdle. How are you guys handling the pandemic when it's, you know, near impossible to get people to gather like that? I mean, what kind of alternatives are you looking into? I know actually based on what you just did, I know you, you organize one of the biggest virtual puff puff pass events online and you know, what else are you guys looking at to, to kind of handle the way that life is right now? Um, wow. It's really tough, man. We're doing what we can. We're learning like, as everyone else is what's going on here and what's actually truth versus speculation versus politics versus regulations. Yeah. A lot of it affects our business, sadly. Uh, I think that our goal is to push the festival as far as we can to May 1st and April 30th, bet on the, the, the election and to pass and that they're the science to catch up and the, 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 the therapeutics to catch up and the psychological trauma that they put on people and their fear of going to large crowds to dissipate over five, six months. And that April 30th and May 1st will be the first major festival that is safe to do. And it's a celebration of life. And if that is your goal, everything else can fall into place. And I think that is our goal until January. And if January, February, it still looks like a fucking hot mess, we'll kick it down the road a little bit longer. And if that looks like that, that still doesn't work, then I think we got to reevaluate kind of world we're living in. Because maybe festivals are, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. How about that? I'm not even going to go into that thinking. <laughs> no, I understand that, man. I, I mean, as being part of Cannabis Lab, you know, we, we were an in-person events company and it's been it's been an interesting transition trying to do some things virtually. Um, you know, it's, it's not the same feel, but yeah, it's not the same experience. I mean, even I've seen some of these virtual concerts and everything else. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. But it, to me, it's like watching a YouTube video. Like I can go and watch a YouTube video on demand. I don't have to be part of a virtual concert. I don't feel that same sense of community. So I love the fact that you guys are holding on to your core business and, and, and I hope that it is a massive celebration. And my prediction is that you're going to be able to do it then. I, 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 I love that, man. And I, and I, and I want, want everyone to hope that and to know that they're in responsible hands that we, if we don't feel like it's safe, we're going we're gonna to pivot off of that. And I, I, I totally agree with you, man. I don't think that these streams are, I think they're really good that we're doing them. And I'm, I'm happy that they exist. Absolutely, we're doing what we can. 
but it's, it's, it's not the same thing. It's not what inspired me at Coachella at 2008 to do this. Like I didn't have that experience on a computer screen, man. And maybe there's an augmented kid that's living in Twitch world right now at 16 years old and is having a life altering experience about his future via Twitch world. That's great. But that wasn't three points. So I'm not really gonna compromise that. And I'm going to hold that belief that we can get back to that. And if we don't, then I got to really rethink that. And I don't think that I, I truly don't think that's going to be the case. And that's kind of where my thinking and our team's thinking is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool, man. I love, so getting back to, to the topic of this show is really the cannabis industry. I love you talk about your 2019 festival and you know how proud you were of it. And it's a product that you were truly proud of. I think it's really cool. You know, you had talked about integrating cannabis, but growing with the industry down here. So last year, obviously, you know, you've got to be a medical patient for true cannabis, but you guys right. started with CBD, doing CBD infused cocktails and CBD, uh, a CBD brunch and other things. You right. know, was it that 2008 experience that is inspiring you to integrate cannabis into the music festival or is it just that it's part of the culture? You might be right. I never really thought about that that the 2008 experience might be genuinely connected to my under like my submission in three points, which is to integrate uh, cannabis into uh, festival culture and into event culture safely. Uh, and I think for, for a majority of my path, I've been trying to push the envelope with, with cannabis without violating the law because the laws, which I'm able to get the permits and do the right thing by um, I think I've built the name in the city of being able to do a safe event with alcohol, which is super dangerous, you know, mm -hmm. if, not, if not handled properly. And I've been able to do it at late hours um, in a 24 hour nightclub and in, a, in, a, in our festival space. So I do believe that we, we take our responsibility to the customer seriously. And I think that the, the law will catch up to it that we'll have that opportunity at one point. And you've even gone so far as to actually add an educational component to your events with the, with the green space, having doctors there to educate people on medical marijuana and, and getting the ability to have your card. I mean, what inspired you to really to, to go that deep to integrate actual doctors into the event? Um, I think it's the education aspect. You know, my, my mom went from uh, my, my mom went from uh, thinking that marijuana was dope to uh, you know, understanding that this is a medicine and she's a nurse, you know, and that took years and it took education and it took our understanding. So I think everyone kind of needs another layer of understanding about cannabis, even from the new developments that are happening with it to the new commercialization, to the safety things, and then also to things that they shouldn't be doing with it. Um, so I think that that was a necessary first step. And, um, they they made it really easy the partner company that came in with the sponsor they super cool had a great vision on how they wanted to do it they listened to the creativity ideas that we had from the festival and that was a really a really easy thing to pull off because you had a lot of people that cared about the cannabis idea and keeping it smart and cool but not like stoner culture like over the top you know flagrant stuff it was more of a, of a well put together uh, footprint Dude, see, that, that's my favorite thing is when we have people that are taking the cannabis industry and the best side of it and showing it off to the general public. I mean, like I said, you could have easily probably gone the easy route 
and taking the stoner route and all that. But you're like, no, this is, this is where the industry is. I'm going to educate people. We're going to bring in doctors. We're going to get people their cards and we're going to do it the right way. And I love seeing stuff like that. That's why I do this show. That's why I'm part of C lab is for, for, for things like that at a major music festival, having a place where you can actually educate the general public on cannabis. I can only imagine what you had planned for this year for 2020. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure there were some, some great things that, that you could have integrated into this year's show. Yeah, we had a lot. Um, because the, the commercialization of it is getting larger and larger and the, um, uh, the sponsorship side of, uh, of things are becoming more lucrative for us as a festival to bring in like, uh, like alcohol was our major and is still our major sponsor and Red Bull and things like that. Um, there's just a lot of more cannabis companies that are coming to Florida that want to integrate their awareness or the brand. So it's a fucking awesome thing, dude, because I feel like, you know, in 2013 and 2014, when I was kind of pushing the envelope a little bit with having advocacy for cannabis inside of our mission statement, um, my partner's always like, "Mm, David, you know, you, you know, obviously you smoke every day. Like it's a cool idea, but pump the brakes. Let's like have our lawyers look at it and it's caught up. And now it actually is part of our revenue stream, which is fucking amazing because now my partner's like, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, it's awesome. Smoke it up. So uh, that's cool, man. It's been, it's been a cool progression. No, I think it kind of fits with the things that you're doing. You know, for the longest time, ca- cannabis was underground and now it's becoming more mainstream and it's becoming mainstream in a very, very good way. Um, I believe that there's always been a small majority of people that have attended events like yours and they're like, man, I really wish I could smoke a joint here without having to sneak it in or without having to worry about security or police or anything else, you know, and I, I hope we're getting to that. You know, I don't know if, if how involved you are with this or not. So I'm just going to ask this. And if you can't answer, that's fine. Is there any kind of initiative coming down the pipe where at least medical patients are allowed to consume at public events like this? I haven't heard it. You know, there's a firm in your your thing right behind there, uh, Green Spoon Martyr. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lou and crew are my lawyers. Um, and they're more than lawyers. They advise me on a lot of stuff, man. Um, and James and the guys at Leslie's Eagle and all of them there. And they know that my desire is to get a catering license to allow to serve medical marijuana via dispensaries at the festival. Um, almost as a store um, and to safely do it. And I hope one day we'll be able to do that. And I I hope that they trust somebody like us at our company to do it because we've shown that we can responsible, that we're safe and that we can handle it and that we won't abuse the law by doing it. Um, So we, I only kind of hear it from the event side. I don't really know for the mass consumer side, but I don't see that happening. And until maybe the state law takes another step. Well, I personally care more about the event side because I think it would make things a whole lot more fun. Um, You know, I I think that's something we work on and I agree with you. I hope that at some point either they allow you to be licensed to to do it or at least bring in a licensee to partner with and distribute it at the event as well. You know, on that note, I talk about mainstreaming cannabis a lot and there is one thing like, listen, I, I like to smoke joints. I see you do as well. But at the end of the day, it's still something smoking and it's invasive, right? So if you're at a festival, everybody around you is going to know it. That's the reason we stop cigarette smoke. 
Right. Do you think that at an event like yours, really the future of cannabis might be maybe the beverage industry, right? Because alcohol is a staple at events and cannabis beverages are starting to actually become more and more mainstream. Do you see that as almost a better option that might be allowed at events before flower? Maybe I won't do it. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to like vaporize my tequila soda or my champagne. You know, I like to have my fucking drink. Um, yeah. I like to smoke my joint. It's a process. It's a, it's a passing thing. It's a community thing. It's part of the culture. I, I think that what we got to do is do it safely and do it responsibly and, and not invade somebody's space. I mean, my partners at space have been on me for a while to, you know, not sell cigarettes at space and it's a lucrative part of it and we don't sell cigarettes at space anymore because it kills the plants it's harder for people to breathe it's we we had to install seven different smoke extractors in the space it's a it's a difficult thing to take in because of the toxins don't know if marijuana has that in an outdoor space um in an indoor space that that's something we, we, we could talk about but for an outdoor space if you're outside at a festival I feel like it's it's not a big deal yeah, I don't, I don't know inside versus outside. Listen, I'm all for it. I'm just trying to figure out what are the best ways that we can get this mainstream quicker and get the general public adopting it. Um, right. you, you guys took out over space not too long ago. How is, how's that journey been? Uh, really amazing. Uh, we took it in 2016, way different than Three Points, where Three Points was a ground-up community thing. This is a changing the narrative of a place that I, I think went through a little bit of a dark phase. And we had to really change it into, you know, bring it into a spot where we felt like we're a little bit more approachable, um, safe, clean, um, programming more, you know, specific and make it something that people felt happy seeing the sunrise there as opposed to like, fuck, I ended up at space. <laughs> I, I think those are yeah. two different models, you know, that both work for the after hours culture, but as we've seen in like Tulum and Mykonos and, and this kind of awakening that's happening when it comes to music and art and culture, um, things that are clean, healthy, and the sunrise is one of them. If you center around that with the 250 plants we have in there, it's a concept I think that a lot of people here in Miami were like open to and made the transition from what I think was a little bit of a darker space into a little bit of a lighter space um, a lot easier. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, depending there's another group of people that enjoy the music scene and enjoy the party scene and everything else that aren't the old school degenerates that just wanted to stay out and do drugs till the sun came up. Right. And I think that's, you know, the, the space that you've created within space is welcoming to that. Right. And I, I think that's awesome too. The last thing I want to talk about is I read a really cool article that you were featured in about mental health in this, in your industry, right. About the stresses and everything else you know, I, I realize what you do is extremely stressful. There's a lot of coordination. There's a lot of moving parts, cancellations, replacements, you know, to put together a festival. I listen, I come from a smaller events world where we did cannabis events, just putting speakers and people in a single freaking hotel room and all the moving parts there for the two weeks before the event were extremely stressful. I couldn't imagine organizing three stages, food vendors, ticket vendors, security, uh, this, that, and the other sponsors, different locations and everything else. You know, do you think that, that cannabis is kind of, I don't want to say a solution, but at least a good way to handle 
the stress and the mental health issues that are in the music industry and in the club industry and festival industry? Um, for me, it has been, you know, uh, but different strokes for different folks. For me, it's been fantastic. It kind of sometimes puts me at a point where I can analyze the forest and not the tree that I'm dealing with. Um, it kind of pulls me out of things a little wider. Um, sometimes it probably can put me in a state of, uh, absolutely neutral, you know, that does nothing, which I think a lot of us that are more consistently smoke can talk, can, can speak to. But I think that it, for mental health, you have to do the work, you know, no joint is going to handle something that's bothering you deep down inside or something that's might be way deeper than, you know, the, the quicker solution. So for me, I do, um, Bikram yoga. I like that. It's a nice flow. I know it. I do it a couple times a week with um, a couple friends. I try to sweat in the morning, even if it's like a, a slow ass run on the elliptical. Um, <laughs> it still gets me sweating and it makes me feel better. And I usually try to do it at the beginning part of the day. Uh, Something is always better than nothing. Right. And uh, I have really good team that I work with. I'm doing ama like amazing things that I love to do. Right. So I can't, my, my mental health and what marijuana contributes to it or doesn't contribute to it is just like, it's a very specific thing, but I think it's, it's helped me, you know, it's helped me a lot. And I can talk to that personally. It's, 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 it's my homie. I, I agree with you, man. I think people need to kind of figure out how it affects them and how they can handle it personally. But I also think there are a lot of other options that are a lot worse for you that people reach for when they're stressed, when they don't feel good, when their mental health is not in a good place. For and, sure. you know, we, we don't want to see that, especially being down here. We've seen the, the crop of addicts that, that stress and, and that kind of stuff that creates, right? So I'd like to see cannabis more involved in that. It's just really interesting because I've loved a lot of your takes on mental health in, in your industry because I can imagine, you know, people get into it because they're passionate about it and they love it. And then when you actually get in, that's what people don't understand about entertainment and sports and everything else. There's still a business aspect to it. Sure. You know, it, it's still a job. It's not like all of a sudden you're in entertainment and you get this carefree life, you still have a business aspect to it. You talked about it in the beginning of this, this interview where all the people that those artists have to pay before they even see a lick of money. So it was a really interesting take to see how you handle that. Um, you know, I imagine your stress levels might be a little bit higher right now trying to figure out when the next festival is coming up. Yeah, it is. It's a different type of stress. And I think it's been harder than I, I've consciously understood. Like I'm, I'm just going through it, but I will tell you, there's a lot of peace I take in what I can't control. Right. So there's a, there's just a limit of things I should worry about. And so when I get to that point where I'm like, shit, I'm getting into a worry war of myself of a, a lot of things that I, I don't have a, a handle on. Um, I have some methods to try to bring me back to it and, and just, stay into what I can actually control, which is like I said, I could run in the morning, I could go to work, I could be in the office, even if there's no one here, but because I feel like it's good to be in the office. But, you know, that's just how I'm coping with it at this point. Dude, I mean, to me, it seems like you've got a great handle on your mental health, on your stress, on life. It's, you, it's inspiring. And I, I hope that people pay attention to this interview and they take some lessons away from that, right? You've kind of controlled your own destiny. And I think a lot of people need to, to take note on that. So on that note, you know, we talked about the past, we talked about how you got to where you are. 
I know we're looking towards the upcoming festival 2021. What else, are there anything other cool things that you're working on that we want to talk about? Hmm. Uh, I think there's going to be some things I can talk about soon, as long as the legalities of things work, work its way out. I think it would be a little bit preemptive for me to mention anything, but we are looking into, we we're making a lot of plans and now I've made plans for the last six months that never happened. Uh, they're temporary plans, uh, transitional plans, you know, in this period of time of reopening to getting to what hopefully is an all clear at one moment. Uh, but they're plans right now. And I think, what I would really love to do is give a couple more weeks and then hopefully um, the government, state, local, and everyone else can, can find a way to look at uh, nightclubs and gatherings done by the safe, responsible operators that can do them to be a part of society again. And we can start the process of reopening because I think if the cases stay on the decline and hopefully post this election, some of the political bullshit goes out of the window maybe we can actually get to a safer and a more prosperous economy in the nightlife and, and, and here in Miami, because a lot of people are suffering because of this. Dude, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, you know, I think they're, instead of just saying no, they should be figuring out how do we do it? How do we get it done? And they should bring it, be bringing in people like you who have experience to come up with ideas and say, Hey, what do you think of this? Are you cool with that? What do you think of this? These are some things that we could do. And, that, and again, I, I'm not here to promote Green Spoon Martyr, but they, Lou and that team and have helped me to have conversations with uh, the mayor and they're collecting uh, data from the, night, the nightlife side and they're, they're talking to us. So I don't think that the city of Miami has left us behind. They're talking to us. I think that, that we just got to get to a point of a plan and move forward on it. And like you said, take the first step and, 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 and analyze together and be safe together. Um, but no plan is creating a lot of voids in this, this city, illegal gatherings, a lot of people still want to dance and go out, man. And if you don't give them a safe place to do it, they're going to go to a dangerous place to do it. And I think that's the other side of the responsibility that the city needs to start taking up. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I, I would like to start seeing more problem solving and less finger pointing, if you will. Um, and then the last thing before we go, I know you're a big Heat fan. We got yeah, the man. game going on. Was it game five tomorrow night against the Celtics? I have not been paying attention nearly as much as I can because I hate this whole no crowd thing for most sports. But what do you think our chances are for another title, man? Oh, man, that's a hard one. I don't, I don't think they're that good uh, to get a title, but I like to stay on the, the side of that every game we win is a, a blessing at this point. I would love to play LeBron in the finals, man. I would love to fucking play LeBron in the finals. I really don't I like who left us. So I, I'd like to get a shot at him and no one knows him better than Eric Spolstra. So I like, I want that. And if we can, we still got to beat the Celtics another time. And that's very, very hard. That's so we got to get that done. And then I'd love to see, I would love to see the Lakers beat the Nuggets. I agree with you, man. I would love to see the heat go through LeBron for the championship, but I know that's, that's well down the road. It would just make me feel good. It would make me feel really good. Oh yeah. I'd be cool. I'd be, I'd be cool for a while, man. I'd be, yeah, I'm good. I'm good for a while. So, <laughs> oh man, listen, I really appreciate your time. I know there's a lot of people there looking for your attention. Before we let you go, let's promote the Instagrams, the websites, anything else you got going on? Uh, yeah, you can catch information about three points. We just dropped our lineup for 2021 uh, at com. It's points on Instagram, points everywhere. I think if you even Google three points, it'll come up.
like and you write out three of the number three. Um, other than that, stay with the Space Miami Instagram. We're in, um, putting out a lot of information coming out here in the next two weeks. And that's it. And go heat. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure to have you. As you have more things to announce and things are coming back, we'd love to have you back on. Thank but you, until then, really appreciate it, sir. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Peace out. All right. Thank you, everybody at home. This has been another episode of Elevate Your Grind. We're out.